Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. As you go through life, God wants you to understand more and more about Him. On our part, we must seek after Him as He teaches us more about Himself and His Word. One of the most important things we need to see is how we're valued by Him and how we are loved by Him. This will help us love Him more, but it will also help us be patient when we're waiting or when we just don't understand what's going on in our lives. In Daniel chapter 9, we see God use this to prepare us for heaven. Are you ready? Here's Pastor Jim in the conclusion of his message, Encouragement for the Journey Home. Kind of reminds me of years ago, particularly when we were in the Gospel of Mark, we had this thing going on here at the church where a lot of people were coming to what I would call real life-changing faith. And one of the common questions was this, Pastor Jim, how come we can't have church every day? (laughs) Well, part of being a good Christian is being a good worker and being a good family person and being a good friend and helping others. There's a lot. I understand your question. A lot of places they do. But just that little phrase, the evening offering or the evening sacrifice, shows us that Daniel's passion, Daniel's affections are for the things of God. In other words, Daniel had a burning heart for God that 70 years as a prisoner of war could not kill. And I would imagine now the thought of the people going back, he's probably thinking, I'm not going back. I'm too old to take that long walk. But that's igniting his flame. That's igniting his fire. Kind of like maybe the way God wants all of us to say, there are so many hurting people right now. Can I just get out of my own hurt for just a little bit to try and bring light to people's lives? to try and love people, not to ramrod the gospel down their throat, but to lovingly tell them how you process life after you've heard their story, how you process life in light of being a follower of Jesus, knowing that the media has painted us as a group of terrorists. So don't act like a terrorist. Daniel knew that worship was a means of the grace of God to help him keep the fire burning, to help water his thirsty soul, to help with the weariness of life. So even in your own home, if you sit and you read your Bible and you pray, that's that's worship, talking with God, having a burning heart for God, we see how worship maintained Daniel's soul in a dark season. I mean, in his mind, if he's praying every day at that time, we prayed three times a day, in his mind, he is in that temple. He is worshiping. Do you ever picture yourself in heaven worshiping? I do all the time. It's great. Somebody turns to me, you have a great voice. I'm like, thanks. 
<laughs> and he's there. It puzzles some, and maybe it puzzles you, when you think about, okay, that's great. You know, I wake up every morning, Pastor Jim. I read my Bible. I pray. I even don't have road rage driving to work most of the time. But then I get into the office, and uh, I just forget that I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, it puzzles some people. How could Daniel be a high government official and be, as we say, in the world, but not of the world? How does that happen? How does that work? Let's fast forward again to the New Testament. See, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you Old Testament concepts that I think are in the passage here. And then some of you are going, I don't know where he's getting this from. And then I'm showing you that it's actually in the New Testament. So it's there in the Bible. So now we have to go, we have to step onto holy ground. Are you ready to step onto holy ground? Quick, confess your sins. We're going to go to John 17. Jesus is praying. It's the night before the cross. John chapter 17, picking it up at verse 14. He says to his father, I have given them your word. He's talking about his followers. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you shall keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, cleanse them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, bring verse 18 to work or to school or to the most frustrating places of your life. As you sent me into the world... I have also sent them into the world. Do you realize that when you leave this place, that Jesus is sending you into the world? Do you realize that? The Apostle Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? Goes over and tells someone what someone else said. That's what we do. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Verse 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified or made holy by the truth. So Jesus is praying that those who follow him have such a burning heart for him. Their hearts are burning. From out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. They have such a burning heart for Jesus and not for the world. See, that's the difference. Our heart will burn for one or the other. Jesus says, I'm hoping, I'm praying, Father, that they would have a burning heart for me, not the world, because he doesn't want them to avoid the world. He wants to send them to the world 
Why? To change the world. So Daniel was a man who was freed of the world and knows that he was sent to Babylon to effect change in that corner of the world. And remember, we saw it with Nebuchadnezzar. Number three, on the journey home, God wants you to have a desire to understand. Verse 22, and he, this is the angel Gabriel, informed me, another version says he instructed me, another says he explained, another says he gave me understanding, and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you understanding. Another version says, insight and understanding. Now jump down to the very end of verse 23. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Look at the very beginning. He says, therefore, consider the matter. Another version says, the message. Another one says, ponder the word. Think this through, Daniel. Study what I'm going to tell you. Keep going over it over and over again because it's going to be very, very complex, very, very difficult. Think, pray, ponder. Stop being in such a hurry to understand those things. The subject is God. That's complexity. It's been said that we live in a generation that has never been more full of information than this generation and perhaps never been more devoid of wisdom. Think about that. The word of God comes to you and to me to give us skill to understand. What is that? That is matching up study and prayer with the enlightening or the illuminating of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to understand the Bible. When I read through these verses, I'm like, why does everybody skip them? And I just pray, Lord, help me see the unseen. If I'm wrong, God, take it from their heads. But once again, we see here that tension that we always come to. God's part and our part. And there is a tension there. A divine gift, in this case, understanding, is accompanied by human effort. Daniel, God is going to give you a vision, but you are going to have to ponder it. You're going to have to work it. You're going to have to study you're going to have to meditate on it because it's not going to be that easy. This is so important for us to remember. God's divine gifts and every Christian, every follower of Jesus has at least one gift. Now, some of you would be, not me. It's your homework this week if you're in a community group. Say to the people in your group, hey, Pastor Jim challenged us this week to ask this question. Does anybody see a gift in me? Everybody will know it but you. Oh, you're an encourager. You know, oh, you have the gift of service. 
Oh, you have the gift of administration. Oh, dude, you're so generous, man. People know. And sometimes, I know it sounds weird, sometimes you got to admit what they are. But you got to do something with them. See, God's divine gifts do not negate the human effort that is usually needed for those gifts to be fruitful. Does that make sense? That God gives you a gift, but it's going to require some sort of human effort, usually, for it to be fruitful. I know people, God has given them great business skills, great financial skills, and to quote my dear departed Aunt Mary, yeah, they're loaded. Okay? But their wallets have cobwebs in it. Why did God give that to you? To be generous. So you would use the divine gift of generosity. Some of you are incredible servants. Incredible. God's given you the gift of service. But, you know, Sunday mornings, you know, I'm not always sure where I'm going to be, and I don't know. How many of you came here expecting me to be here? (laughs) Don't think I'm spiritual. They're like, don't worry, Jim, we don't. This morning, I was on the exercise bike at 4 a.m. praying for all of you and saying at the same time, God, can I be honest with you? I really want to go back to bed. (laughs) I really want to go back to bed. Often people wonder why their life is not as effective for the kingdom as they want it to be. The gifts that God gives you are meant to inspire you to work, to sharpen those gifts, to use those gifts. This is hard, but it needs to be said. Maybe your attitude and effort is just not right. Maybe it's just laziness. Maybe you don't like the gift that God gave you. Maybe you just want to be seen. You want everybody to see how wonderful and gifted you are. You say, well, Jim, we're all looking at you. Trust me. The vast majority of time spent in this message is not in the giving of it. Not even close. I can whip together a message in an hour. I honestly can. But you know what? You deserve better. Perhaps some of you have just been poorly taught. You were told, just do whatever you do that you're led of the Holy Spirit. Do you ever notice most of those people just do whatever is best for them? The people say, I'm just led of the Spirit. And then they pick what's good for them. People tell them, be led of the Spirit. Don't worry about the Word of God. By the way, who wrote the Word of God? Men led of the Spirit. (laughs) So what do we call people who don't look at the Word and who are only led of the Spirit? They have what? Lead poisoning. (laughs) The reality is we're used to having everything when we want it, but wisdom and understanding are not like that. So many leave the faith because it's not working as fast as they want. And you know what? It even happens sitting in church. 
For some people, it's a gradual drift. For some people, their hearts are drifting while they're sitting in church. But the reality is that we need understanding because the Lord is in our lives for the long haul and for all eternity. Okay, number four, on the journey home, God wants you to have a sense of your worth. That doesn't mean a big head. God wants you to have a sense of your worth. Verse 23, at the beginning of your supplications, another version says at the beginning of your plea for mercy or your plea for grace, the command went out and I have come to tell you. Why? Why did he come to tell you? For you are greatly beloved. Another version says you are deeply loved. Another version says you are treasured by God. And then it continues that we read already. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you are greatly loved. Now, that term is probably more like our term precious. Now, that's not like weird Lord of the Rings precious. God's not up in heaven going, you're my precious. That's okay, Get that out of your mind. This is so important. Sadly, a lot of people give lip service to the love of God. We tell people, oh, God loves you. And they're like, he loves everybody. What's the big deal with that? And we can't articulate what that means to us. Or we use it as an excuse. Somebody says, hey, you really shouldn't be doing that. And you're like, well, God loves me. Oh, sorry. (laughs) The Lord wants his love to serve as a motivation for us to love him and to be faithful on the journey home. Remembering that we are greatly loved will help us be patient with the work God is doing in us and the work God is doing in others. Are any of you a little dissatisfied with how you're growing in your godliness? Yeah, everybody's agreeing there. You're a little dissatisfied with how quickly you're becoming more like Jesus. That demonstrates Jesus' committed love to you. That you're not moving along quite as fast as maybe your effort could be, and yet he still loves you. Those of you who are parents, you kind of know what that means. I want to kill that kid. Do you love him? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Last year, as we were doing a study called The Abiding Christian, we came across a verse in the Bible that I said, I would never believe it in a million years if it wasn't in the Bible. If anybody ever told me what I'm about to read to you, I would never believe this. And it comes right off the lips of Jesus at the Last Supper. John 15, 9, he says, As the Father loved me, I also loved you, abide or remain in my love. Some versions say, as the Father loved me, so I also have loved you. Abide or stay, remain in my love. So if you have put your trust in Jesus, Jesus' love for you is a fact that should produce humility But without an awareness of that depth of love seen at the cross, you're going to really struggle 
to stay close to Jesus on the journey home. It's going to be really, really tough because you're not going to bounce back from those really, really wretched, wretched moments of life. I want to read this again. As the Father loved me, so also I have loved you. Abide, remain, make sure you stay in that level of love. It's a mind-blowing statement to me. Jesus compares his love for his followers with the love that his Father has for him. So does God the Father love the apostles? Yes. Does he love all followers of Jesus? Yes. People go, I'm not really sure how it all works. I think it's fair to say that we talk about Jesus being the mediator between God and man, that Jesus is the mediator of that love. We experience the love of God, the love of the Father through Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, my love is like the love the Father has for the Son. Now, there's a difference there. So don't be like, oh, that means I'm Jesus, I'm God. There's a difference there. But what it tells us is this. God's love is constant. God's love is unchanging. God's love is a committed love. Did he love his people while they were exiled in Babylon? Every darn second he did. And that's the way he feels about you. And if you don't keep that in front of you, never an excuse to sin, a reason to live for God. If you don't keep that in front of you, it's going to be a long, long walk home to heaven. You say, okay, I'm tracking with you. We'll see how good you're tracking. Here's the test. Very soul-searching question. You think God loves you. I hope you do. Do you think that God could not only love you, but do you think that he could actually be pleased with you? Do you think that's actually possible? Well, I tell you what, if you confess your sins and he wipes them all away, what's only left? Notice Jesus says, I've loved you. Not that I used to love you guys. But with the cross in view, he realizes it is a completed love, it is a present love, and it is an eternal love. Out of the experience of that love, not taking it for granted flows an encouragement for the way home. Very quickly, what will it be like? Well, let's get one picture in verse 24, Daniel 9, 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. And here's the picture of the holy city. To finish the transgression, to make an end to sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That is life in God's presence. That is after this life. Let me ask you a question. If you're not a follower of Jesus, do you want that life? Do you want to live in that perfect world? 
then turn from your sin. Confess it to God. You know what it is. The worst of all being self-sufficient. Put your trust in Jesus Christ as you look at him dying on the cross in your place for your sins. Receive him as your Lord and Savior, and heaven will be yours. And you can experience being greatly loved now. If you are a follower of Jesus, because of God's love, we try and change this world. But also because of God's love, we look beyond this world, knowing that the road that we're on now, the journey home, might seem really long and might seem really hard. But in eternity, we will say, It was a walk to the mailbox. It was a journey to the end of the driveway. It was a very, very short walk, and I'm sure glad that I took it. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.